Hello and welcome to another episode of Kitchen Conversations. My name is James and Brahma, say hi. Hi. This week we have a special guest. We're joined by Craig. Craig is an international business development manager who has had a career opening hundreds of stores in various locations throughout the world. I started my career working for Craig and Rama and I have had many years working alongside each other. So we thought we'd invite him on to the podcast episode today because we've got a topic that he knows much about. Location, location, location. The question we'll be discussing today, what is the importance of location in the physical and digital world? Rama, what are your yes. initial thoughts about that? Yes, I guess, I mean, luckily we do have the, uh, the, the renowned expert in Craig um, to tell us the importance of location, hopefully. Um, yes, yeah, so as you said, James, and I think we both started uh, our career at WH Smith through Craig, surprisingly. Um, and yeah, we had many years working alongside him and hopefully we'll get an insight today on whether e-commerce um, can stand, you know, sort of all, what are the pros and cons around e-commerce and also physical, you know, brick and mortar retail. I think uh, we can have a good discussion around that and see where the plus and minuses are of each, you know, business model. So I guess we probably can, you know, pass it over to Craig to kind of introduce himself and hopefully start the conversation. Look, thank you, lads. It's great to be with you in this uh, online environment. Uh, I must admit, I am a great advocate of bricks and mortar retail, though, especially travel retail. We need airports, we need shopping malls, we need those things. But uh, I guess if anything's told us over the last couple of months, online retail is becoming very important and omni-channel retail. I think that's what we've got to be talking about today, omni-channel. So how do we have not only bricks and mortar, but we also have our online. I think, uh, you know, whilst we look to Amazon, we look to Kogan, mm. we look to those guys as absolute geniuses in that uh, online space. Uh, I think we've got to look back at um, sort of bricks and mortar retail. Who are the, who are the champions in that space? And, um, and, and who's doing well with, with omni-channel retail? Uh, I think it's fair to say at the moment, Maya, David Jones in Australia, mm. they're really struggling to do both spaces well. Um, so you, you, would, you would not use them as great case studies, but how's Woolies and Coles going? Um, they've had a great resurgence during this, uh, this shutdown period, and you'd have to say that they're two guys that are yeah. getting that uh, space right. Yeah, definitely. And when I think about that omni-channel platform and scaling um, physical locations across the digital world, I've heard of things called ghost kitchens where there's no physical table seating, but they're up on Uber Eats and you're renting that bricks and mortar kitchen and you're just having that Uber Eats with a delivery door where they come by, pick up the meal, take it to a customer. I heard it works particularly well in dense areas which is one idea i have for how omnichannel can work in the food delivery side of things rama any ideas about omnichannel yeah i think what a good example that i've seen so far that did really well um especially in, in a very competitive segment um is jb hi-fi and officeworks they've um they're both 
what they've done is to to kind of fight off the Amazons and and the um, you know the what do you call it eBay's and stuff is really to to allow customers to price match the Amazon prices online. But you know, they, they, I guess the benefit is you can be there, touch the product, bring it home on the same day rather than waiting two days delivery. I think Australia is probably one of the places that that will work um, to their advantage because in other countries you got you know Amazon has a same day delivery. I think Australia is the only place they can't do it yet because of this you know vast land we live in and it's impossible to get things to you on the same day. He uh, that is yeah. um, I guess cost you know effective, right? So if you look at yeah, so 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 far what I've seen is um, the price matching. I think that's a that's a big deal to to allow omnichannel. So um, click and collect. I think Craig, we we we've been you know looking at that, especially in, in the current company we work at. We've been looking at that um, closely and see whether we could do something like that, especially in the travel space. I think um, a lot of retail, uh, a lot of customers now would like to you know prepare their shopping, have it done on an app get it ready and then when they get to the airport pick it up and then off they go without having to browse and and waste their time but at the same time i don't know craig i mean you might be able to tell us the you know customer behavior in, in a travel space because i think it works really well in in a in a high street sense or you know somebody who you know in a shopping center and things like that potentially you could if you don't feel like browsing around or walking around you want to be quick place your order collect it when it's ready and then off you go um but I don't know. In, in a travel world, is that a different mentality? Because obviously, you're, what you're trying to do is get those impulse, uh, uh, what do you call impulse buying? Is what? What do you think uh, is the difference there? Or yeah, well, the advantage? I, I, I definitely think that travel retail space is all about impulse. Um, you know, there there are some planned purchases. Let's not uh, deny that. Uh, you know, some people look forward to their journey. They look forward to that duty-free product that they've been thinking about buying for months and they think they can get it at a good good price from duty-free. So that's the, the pre-planned purchase, no doubt about it. That's a that's a really good angle to, to have because I think airport and duty-free prices uh, is something that whilst I think people have been sceptical about duty-free mm-hmm. prices over the last few years, I think in order for duty-free to survive, uh, they will need to continue to be price competitive uh, and really show customers that there's a there's a good advantage of shopping at the airport. So that's your pre-planned purchase, but I think most of the airport purchases, mm. railway stations, uh, ferry terminals, etc. I think that's all about impulse, and that's all about having the the product in the right place at the right time. So I think today you wanted to talk about location and place. Uh, you know, one of those four important P's. I say there's five P's. Pring is also the fifth <laughs> P. Uh, but but place is pretty important. And yeah. um, again, we we take for granted working in this travel retail mm. space that um, you know it's just another place. But I think premium shopping locations like uh, airports, like railway stations ferry terminals, uh, where there's lots of people. I think there's a lot of advantages of those yeah. places, you know, when there's not a pandemic on it. <laughs> Maybe that's the 6P, I don't know. Yeah, but. I, I think <laughs> 6P, got to watch out for pandemics. <laughs> I can remember going to, like, train stations, at kind of less the city terminals, but more the terminals out in the country. Imagine Katoomba, kind of a style. Um, and they've got like a coffee shop on the platform and I'm like, oh, there's 20 minutes to the train. Um, I think one that I do remember is uh, the Geelong to Melbourne train line. And I say, like, oh, I'll get a coffee and wait. But I wasn't planning to get that coffee. 
Um, but then I do it. But then how do I, if we think about omnichannel, how do we scale an impulse purchase like that to the digital world? Will, will there be a place for Uber coffee delivery to be able to satisfy my impulse of, I feel like a coffee on platform? Yeah. In the next I, I five think- minutes. I think the challenge there with, with, with that, Jimmy, is with, with impulse purchase is all about the seeing the product. You know, this is why we have advertisement, right? Try to get you to to see it, to think about it, and then to to crave it. You know, this is the like that's why movie movie movies do those commercials before the movie start, right? Um, in the cinemas. Um, and I think for us in in the you know the, as a, as an online retailer, I think one thing we want to do is is uh, one thing that that works uh, with us is um is FOMO, right? So the fear of missing out. So the, uh, you know, the constant just nagging them to complete their purchase, I suppose. I mean, I, I know it's a, it's a very crappy tactic and I really hate it uh, when it happens to me. So, for example, when you go to a shop, you put something in the basket, then you go, oh, I'll do it later. And you go away. You know what? If, if you're a, 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 a registered member, they will email you and say, hey, you've got this thing in your basket. Mm. You know, do you remember that? Do you, or, you know, or, or they'll tell you that if you finish your transaction now, you know, you get 5% off, whatever. And I think that's how that works in, in our space versus, you know, just being in, 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 a, in a place like, yeah, you know, where you are already there, you're seeing the product and because you're in on a high, um, you, you want to you wanna grab it, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess that's the, the challenge. I mean, I guess we want to go through the pros and cons of both, Craig. Um, do you reckon about what's the pro of of a brick and mortar or even in a premium space like a travel travel retail versus an online retail. Well, pro, pros and cons again of, of bricks and mortar, there's there's instantly some uh, some money that you don't have to pay in the online space and that's rent. Um, I, th- I think <laughs> let's, let's talk pre-COVID and let's talk about uh, where things were going before the pandemic. You, you had shopping centers, um, struggling to fill space now if you talk to s center you talk to vicinity you talk to any of those guys they'll mm-hmm. tell you there's not a problem um but just as a consumer you walk down the street and you have a look at all the empty hoardings in some of these centers now yeah. uh, you look at some deals that you can do as a new retailer so if you've got a new concept and you go to westfield with that idea they will do you a fabulous deal uh, because again, they they need to fill space at the moment, and they want yeah. some good and interesting ideas that are sustainable. But um, but I think bricks and mortar retail certainly we've got some issues in it. So rent is one of those issues. Um, mm. Are shopping centres going to be a little bit more relaxed on the rent? I think in the short term, yeah, but uh, their investors won't let them do that for long. So yeah. I think um, yeah, I, I think rent is is a big barrier to entry for a, a bricks and mortar retailer that an online retailer doesn't have. Okay, online retailer, what are their barriers to entry? It's it's stuff like yeah, technology and dinosaurs like myself, Rama. Um, you know, we struggle with the technology. So again, there's a there's a space mm. there um, for, for people uh, that know how to do this stuff and to do it well and to sell that into the more established retailers. And going back to what we talked about with David Jones and Meyer, mm-hmm. um, do you think they missed the boat on some of those things? Do you think they missed out on getting their online retail right early on um, because they were so fixated on uh, bricks and mortar retail? Mm. That's, that's my yeah. thoughts there. I remember one specific example of trying to purchase a product from Meyer or David Jones. I was thinking about, do I buy the next Apple Watch? And I was able to see it on their e-commerce 
website and I'm a bit, a bit of a loyalist to Qantas points and trying to figure out strategic ways to get as many Qantas points at a time. And I saw a deal of 10 Qantas points per dollar spent at one of those retailers, whereas maybe it was three points at Apple. So I was trying to figure out, could I buy an Apple Watch from David Jones or Maya? And the process was excruciating. They had the product online in their shopping catalog, but I couldn't use their online website to be able to find if that store had stock, to be able to bring them up, get an order in, or even purchase it online. Uh, I honestly expected I could click add to cart and then put in my credit card details and make the transaction but it was a challenge and they lost a sale because <laughs> I couldn't find the product on, on their site, even though it was there, they didn't have the stock of it. And I couldn't and, refer and, them to a store in brick and mortar. And I think Craig, I mean, you know, going back to your point about, you know, barrier of entry, uh, technology, you know, you know, just as with brick and mortar, you got shop fitters, you know, you got web developers who can build you a fantastic site, but of mm-hmm. course that, that comes at a cost and, the cost is probably just as much as a shop fitter as, as some of these guys. I mean, you know, we, we've seen it when we built it with uh, with Smiths, right? Uh, the website was very expensive for something very simple. Um, you know, had somebody internally was able to do it, yes, we probably could do it uh, for a lot cheaper. But, you know, if you want the quality and you want the, uh, the, the kind of the same look and feel as a, a professional site, you probably want to pay for it, being that these guys are the expert of it. Um, and, and same like a brick and mortar. Uh, we you also got to be mindful about security you know you you put uh, security gates you put you know yeah. uh, those um those gates that beep when people take product same thing with online retail like you also got to think about the security because you're, you're also going to be housing customer credit card numbers you're going to be housing uh, personal information and and you know that data security is very big now so there, there's some barrier of entry that Unfortunately, sometimes people don't think about with online retail, and it, and some of these get very expensive, uh, especially for the guys like Maya and and David Jones, who technically could have had such a leg up um, in it, but they chose to do it probably the the cheapest way because they, yeah, you're right, Jimmy. Their website is very very uh, clunky. Yeah, um, it's not slick. I mean, if you do a transaction on JB Hi-Fi versus uh, Maya, it's it's worlds apart in terms of the easiness how you know the the layout the the way the, the search even just in the search engines like try to search something on maya and see if you get a result versus searching something on jp hi-fi you could it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a world of difference and i think that's that's the big and, and that's the same thing isn't it craig in, in a brick and mortar it's all about the, the your store concept you could make a store look very boring and nobody's gonna walk in it even though you're selling the same exact product um you know where you got stores that have screens that have you know LEDs and all these fun stuff. People go, oh, that looks exciting. Let's walk there and and have a look what's going on. So I guess both sides have their their plus and you know their their pros and cons. And and I think unfortunately, although you think you know rent is is a problem, but also you know maintaining a, a website that is fully slick is also costly because you need somebody to go and 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 do that. Every you know regularly, especially if it's uh, if you got a big catalog. Um, you know, someone like me and James who's starting a very small store. Fair enough, we could probably do it ourselves using a very simple platform. But somebody who has a big catalog, even like us, you know, like WH who has a very big catalog, it's not going to be a, a simple job that James can do overnight. You know, it's going to take a lot of effort. So I think the barrier entry for both is is the same. Once you start scaling it up, I reckon. 
as Rama, as we walk together on a journey of creating boutique online stores with a small range of products, we're still establishing a name for ourselves, differentiating our products in the market. So we're going to go through the process of thinking about what advertising looks like. And that's a place of itself. What place is the online? Do we show an ad? Who's our target audience? Because with physical, you have people wandering past the shop. They've got history with brand name and recognition. Whereas we're starting out with the people we know as the people who know us to be the people who immediately trust us. But then there's also all these people who might be interested in the product that we're selling online who are, don't know about it yet, haven't found them at online place. Yes, and it, it does get very expensive as well. Like, you know, advertising online is not as cheap as you think it is. Um, although, yes, advertising on brick and mortar is also very expensive. I mean, you know, we, we've seen how much the brands have to pay to advertise in our shops, for example, and that's something, you know, that's an income that um, a brick and mortar could, could get, right? It's like a supplier income where we probably don't have the reputation to get something like that yet. Uh, James, where we can get, you know, a, a retail or a brand to go and advertise in, in, in our, in our online store. Yeah. So have we, did we discuss location yet? Is that, is that important, Craig? How is it important is actual location, you know, like where you put your shop? Well, I, I think it's very important. It goes back to, you know, we talked about airports being good locations, railway stations being good locations. Um, if we talk about shopping centres, shopping centres, uh, you know, or lifestyle centres as they're now trying to uh, be known as, um, you know, the, these areas uh, are places that people go. Uh, of course, you know that the locations within these centres um, some are great and some are terrible. Um, you know, I always want to put a, a shop on the way to the toilet. Um, lots of people go to the toilet, so always putting a shop on the way to the toilets, I think, is the way to go. Um, guaranteed footfall. A guaranteed footfall. Um, might not be the footfall you want, but, uh, you know, you're guaranteed footfall. Um, so very, very important, I think, you know, to consider your location for your retail as well. Um in, in a in a bricks and mortar store that is uh, you look at strip retail now we'll call it high street retail um, I think it's been under a lot of pressure for many years now and especially if you drive through the the inner Sydney suburbs um, you know you find a lot of the traditional strip shopping now is mm. dead uh, there's really not a lot going for it um, you know in the small suburb that uh, that I live in again it really struggles now for any uh, level of quality retail because mm. people will go to those bigger centres, um, lifestyle centres as they call them. But um, and within those lifestyle centres, again, what do you have going for mm. those places? You've got uh, you know you've got car parking, albeit you only get three hours for free. But uh, you know I don't shop like three hours, so that's okay for mm. me. Um, and and uh, you, you know so you've got your car parking. It's all under undercover, so there's no uh, no issues about weather. Um, so again, shopping centres continue to be a a location, a place mm. that you want to be and that you're willing to pay for. But uh, as I say, I come back to that warning: uh, make sure you get a shop in a good location in a shopping centre, because in a bad location, uh, you'll still be paying high rent. But uh, if the footfall's not there, it can be an expensive mistake. So for those good locations. Yeah, and it also makes me think about the importance of 
what's on display in the shop front. I remember walking past a restaurant on the high street, commenting to my fiance, oh, that looks empty. What are the chances it's going to go out of business soon? And only a few weeks ago, walking past the store, and it's got a big four lease sign across the window. And <laughs> as unfortunate as that is for that business, it wasn't a surprise. Don't see any customers, um, especially for a restaurant. If there's no one eating there, do I want to go eat there? Um, have flags pop up in your mind thinking no one's eating there. There's something wrong with it. Why is that? Do I want to risk it potentially? Um, especially when you see down the high street, a different restaurant, similar Italian cuisine, but it's packed full and they're having to turn people away at a chalk and cheese comparison. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I agree. Um, it is important to, to kind of put, or I guess put your best products up front, right? Or, or you know, your, your specialty or your, your differentiator at the front forefront. Um, you know, for us online retailers, we need to make sure the best products are, are, are in the first place. You don't have to click on anything to see those products. Uh, especially specialty stores like you and, and, and I, Jimmy, we need to make sure that, yeah, those best products are at the front. Brick and mortar, I'm assuming the same thing. You know, you put your, kind of your best offerings front and center at the entrance to kind of draw people in and then hopefully they go and browse the rest of the, of the site. So there's some similarities, I think, between an online retail store and, and, and a brick and mortar store is really bring, pulling people in. And then once they're in there, most of the, most, most likely they'll browse. Um, but, you know, we're not limited to a physical space where in a brick and mortar, you are limited to a physical space. Um, and the bigger that space gets, the more expensive it gets where, where our website, not necessarily, you know, we could have a really, really large website probably paying similar to a small website. Um, so, you know, that, that, there's, there's a differentiator there. But I think specialty stores, I mean, what are your thoughts on specialty, specialty stores, Craig, versus, you know, like a generalized store? Is that, I mean, is that, how do, I mean, how do, what, what's a different way? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I can't really find a question at the moment, to be honest, but, you know, for us, we're, we're a special, specialty store versus Amazon, who's a sell everything store, you know, where we're only selling one or two product, you know, how does a, a specialty store in a brick and mortar sense can, can differentiate themselves from, you know, like a general store that should have everything, you know, I think, do you consider, you know, WH Smith who used to work for a specialty store or is that a general store? Yeah, look, I mean, if you uh, consider consider that company, they they've got uh, really big shops in airports uh, and and their general stores. They they mm. sell all things to everyone. Um, I think coming back to sort of uh, a special a specialty store versus a general store. Um, general stores only came about in the last you know let, let's say sixty or seventy years. Before that. Everything was a specialty store. You would walk down the street, you would have your butcher, you would have your baker, you would have your candlestick maker. Um, and it wasn't until probably the 1960s that uh, those mm. supermarkets came in and and they became general stores and everyone wanted to sell everything. I, I think we've lost something um, as a result of that. And I think if you walk through Woolworths or well, let's not uh, just choose Woolworths, let's choose any sort of uh, oh, supermarket Aldi. retailer. Um, Aldi. <laughs> You know, you, you used to be able to get, uh, you know, 
let, let's take spices for instance. You mm. would be able to go down the spice aisle and you'd buy any type of spice you possibly could. Um, but I think as as competition uh, lessens and as you go into mm. sort of duopoly or you get into a monopoly situation with some of those uh, big yep. retailers, uh, choice goes out the window. Um, so I'd say that in this world that we're in with um, Amazon, with Kogan, uh, with with let's call them Woolworths Coles, uh, making mm. product choice decisions for you, you're missing out on range. Um, so this is where, coming back to your, your point about specialty retail, special, specialty retail is important. I, I want to be able to buy range. I want choice. Uh, and if, if the big retailers get control, I, I lose choice. And then also price. It also has an effect on price as well because, uh, you know, again, if they control the market and they control the products on the shelf, um, you know, you end up in a in a situation where I can't I can't choose price and I can't choose the product anymore. So, look, specialty retail needs to needs to stay strong. We need to find some ways to make sure that it's successful. Um, in Australia, it's good. Small business is encouraged to be successful as well, but. Uh, Notwithstanding that, it's a really tough game, and I think um, you know we all know of small retailers at the moment that are really struggling. Um, you know, and they're those smaller specialty retailers. They've got to go in and compete against the general retail. I often think with specialty retailers and small businesses that one of their greatest strengths can be customer service and that personal touch they offer to people. Being able to have Experience where you engage with someone in a way that's genuine, authentic, that they sincerely want to help you and try and answer whatever you're looking for. If there's a range that you prefer to Craig, a product that you're looking for, understand what you're looking for, why you're looking for it, and point you in the right direction within that range. Would you agree with that, Rama? Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. And I think that's why some specialty stores succeed better than others in terms of people love coming there for the experience, not just for the product. That's important. Um, but in saying so, how do you recreate that si- that same feeling in, in an online environment? Because, you know, we are specialty stores, James. We, we're only selling a very small range. But yes, Craig, in, your, in what you're saying, I'm able to offer a, a bigger range than any other, you know, generalized clothing store that might carry the line of product that I'm selling because I'm only selling a, you know, two or three different lines, but I'm selling a big range of those two or three different lines. Um, so how do we recreate that experience when the customers don't come to us face-to-face? Is that the website interface? Is that the slickness? So when we come back to you know, the Maya versus JB Hi-Fi, I guess that's where we can differentiate ourselves is the experience. How easy it is, how nice is it to look at? You know, can you do it? Can you... Uh, make the purchase as easy on a computer uh, as well as on your phone, for example, or on a tablet. That's very important these days because I know some websites are horrible on a phone. And I thought, I would, I don't really want to have to go to my computer just to make this purchase. I want to be able to do it there on the couch, on my phone, quickly, um, and offer all the, you know, the, the easy payment. I think at the moment, the biggest thing is, how do you make them pay as easy as possible and as, as mm. quick as possible? So, you know, offer the PayPal's, offer your, um, offer the afterpays and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's how we can be better than some of these bigger retailers um, because they don't think about that kind of thing, potentially. I have an idea. Let me know if you think it's going to sink or swim. I just thought of it then <laughs> and I'm going to try and pitch it. Imagine 
a digital concierge, like a Cortana AI experience guiding your online shopping experience. So much so to try and shop your voice. And with the benefits of tools, Afterpay and Apple Pay already set up on your phone, automatically uh, take uh, care of the person. How does that sound? Have you ever tried to talk talk to talking to Siri? Does it actually work? I don't know. Um, maybe you have a good experience. I mean, I know you and Siri have a relationship, but but most of us we see we we find talking to Siri sometimes is a problem. Um, so I don't know. I feel like the a human may be better, but then again, that comes down to cost. You know, because you got to pay somebody to sit there all day and talk to somebody. And in an online space, you could probably have hundreds or thousands at the same time online. So almost impossible. I don't know, what are your thoughts? Uh, look, you know, let's not discount it. I think, um, it, again, if you'd have asked me about Amazon Go five years ago, I would have laughed at you and said, ah, you're going to have all sorts of issues with shop yeah. thieving and all that type of stuff. Um, I think Amazon Go is a, is a great platform that will continue to grow and other retailers mm. are going to pick up on it. Um, so, so I think that idea... You know, again, let's let's explore it because I think there's some opportunity mm. with it. Um, as for me, and uh, and and possibly others, as you're saying, Rama, we might get frustrated with the you know the technology side of it. But as te technology mm. gets better, um, and and continue as the robots continue to replace the humans, yeah, <laughs> um, you, you know that's that's what the expectation is going to be within store. Um, you know, at the moment, it's it bricks and mortar. It's done with a shop assistant. Yeah. Um, as for an online shopping experience, I'm not. I'm not sure. I do walk into a shop though, and and say to the shop assistant, "Okay, here's my list of things that I want." Um, <laughs> what I do is Never I go, yeah. So maybe Cortana comes into the conversation after I've yeah. picked up the first item, and and then they, you know, yeah. Rama even suggested it before. Is that I've picked up the first item? Oh. What do you think about the black one? Do you want to get that one as well? Yeah. Or come down this aisle down here. I've got a couple of other things for yeah. you to look at. So I, I think that's probably where it uh, where it'll be really useful. Yeah. I think just asking it to do things for you, I think it's still not what we want. But I think that, Craig, that idea is brilliant. I just thought about it now and go, that actually sounds good. You know, imagine if I'm on an online shop, I clicked a product and then in, instead of just, you know, what it, what's currently available technologically, which is list a bunch of things that other people buy with that product and it actually prompts you or takes you to the page that, you know, of, of other products that might be useful or even automatically show you the range that's available in that particular um, product type. So if you picked up a, a shirt, for example, automatically it brings up all the different colors and all the different style of that similar type of shirt. Um, that would be really good. I think we, we don't. I don't think we've. I've seen that anywhere yet. I've seen Amazon where you, you click on a product, you'll get these or other customers buy with it. But that's not the same thing as actually uh, bringing you choice within the same product category. Uh, so yeah, now I think uh, if we explore it more, I think yeah, with 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 the way technology progress and we're fleshing out the idea, potentially you could have a winner there. Mm, and that sounds just like don't, it could be. don't tell anyone. Great content. Great content for another episode after we've hammered out the specifics and figured out the patent and trademark and registration. But as we wrap up the episode today, gentlemen, I'll finish with one question for each of us. And the question is, if you had a dream location to start a business anywhere in the world, where do you think it would be? 
do I start? Drama? <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction. What comes to mind? Uh, I don't know. Hawaii. What, what, I don't for whatever reason I wanted I want to shop in Hawaii. I don't know why. But I feel like it's it's got good weather. It has a lots of foot traffic. Uh it's it's a dream destination mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Uh I think I want to have a shop there, regardless of what the, the type is, you know, food, um, you know, textile, whatever, mm-hmm. clothing, fashion. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hey, what if, there, you, there you go. That's my answer. I don't know. I just thought about it immediately. I think I just want to go to the beach, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that pops to mind for me is if I could have this interesting boutique combination in Naples or Rome of coffee shop, pizzeria, wine bar, as well as some kind of product. Maybe it's art or maybe it's candles, something physical people can take with them to remember their experience um, as tourists come and go. So something like a souvenir that helps really crystallize nostalgia of coming to that restaurant and enjoying that. There you go. Any ideas of a dream location? Uh, look, this week it'd have to be a toilet paper stall under the uh, the towers in Melbourne, I think. Uh, it would have to be... The, yeah, it'd be a pop-up shop there, I reckon, because, uh, you know, it, it's that that's where the people are and where their need yeah. is right now. Um, so I think I've heard what both of you said. Um, find the product, find the people with the need, Stick it right there. Mm. Sounds Cl- like you're on a roll. Cl- Cl- oh, thank you. Thank you, James. <laughs> thank you, James. Jeez. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Kitchen Conversations. Please make sure you continue to follow government guidelines. Stay healthy and stay well. And goodbye from James. And Goodbye from Rama. <laughs> and... Uh, my, my invoice will be in the mail. No worries. Goodbye, Craig. <laughs> Thank you for joining us as a special guest. We hope to enjoy your experience. Many more episodes to come. Pleasure, lads. Keep doing this. Thank you very much. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah. Bye.